Thrive Suite Productions. And welcome back to This Day in Sports History. It's February 12th, and on this day in 1908, a grueling transcontinental car race took the green flag. We are a nation that loves its cars, and we are also a species that loves to race anything with wheels on it. The first car was built in the 1880s, the first American gasoline-powered car came out in 1893, and of course, at that point, people wanted to take their new cars and go race them, with the first American car race happening in 1895. Now here we are 13 years later, and the automobile has moved into its early adolescence. Horsepower is being increased. Henry Ford's Model T would be introduced this year. General Motors would get its start. More and more cars were being produced. Now, one thing that was lacking were actual roads to drive these new machines on. They were coming, turning bike paths into wider versions to drive these new four-wheeled beasts on. However, despite this lack of roads, that did not stop 17 men forming six teams to line up at the start line in New York's Times Square on this day with the finish line in Paris, France. Now, let that run around your brain a little bit. How were they planning on crossing a sea or ocean? Well, the race organizers specifically wanted to start the event in winter in the hopes that there would be ice thick enough to allow cars to cross the Bering Sea from Alaska, which obviously not a U.S. state yet, into Russia, which was not overly keen on the idea of allowing foreigners in to drive their automobiles around. There were six cars representing entries from four countries. Three were from France, one from Germany, an Italian entry, and an American entry. The American car for this race was a 60-horsepower Thomas Flyer touring car. It had a capacity for 125 gallons of gas. And with a lack of roads, there was also the lack of a lot of infrastructure in place, like gasoline stations, to fill up the tanks. And so the cars were modified to take on as much fuel at one time as feasible. The race started at 11.15 on this day, and the transcontinental journey began. Now look. Even if you did something of this nature today, you would run into some problems. But here in 1908, with all the challenges facing these drivers and mechanics, problems were plentiful. There was a foot of snow in Hudson, New York that bogged down the vehicles not too far from the start. They got bogged down again in Seneca Falls at the Montezuma Swamp with teams of horses needing to be brought in to pull cars out of the muck. At the start, there was a spirit of trying to help each other out, but that spirit soon dissolved and it was every man and every team for itself. The schedule was grueling as well. Teams would start driving at 5 a.m. They would go until about 8 at night. Mechanics would work on the cars, repairing cracks and trying to make sure the fluids in the car didn't freeze up into the early morning hours. And then they would get up and do it all over again. They hit more snow in the Midwest there were cries from the Italian team of cheating Americans who apparently used railroad tracks and the service of a trolley train. The race went through Colorado, Wyoming, south through Nevada, around Death Valley into Northern California, then up north to Seattle, where the teams would ship their cars to Valdez, Alaska to drive across the Bering Strait. Now, the Americans were leading at this point, and when they looked into whether they could cross the ice, 
they came to the conclusion that the only way they could do it would be to break the car down into smaller components and then dog sled them across the ice and then reassemble the car on the other side. At that point, race officials adjusted the race course and told the Americans to go back to Seattle and ship the car to Vladivostok. They went from first to last in all that confusion. More confusion followed in Russia. Drivers got lost with wrong turns, costing teams up to 15 hours to right that wrong. Finally, on July 26th, the first car arrived in Paris. It was the German entry, but it was met with little fanfare. The team had not yet been made aware and had been penalized two weeks for illegally using a train in the American West to carry its car through a rough stretch. The Americans had not been penalized after the Italian protest. Four days later, on July 30th, American George Schuster piloted the flyer down the Champs-Élysées with a throng of jubilant French proclaiming the winner of the 22,000-mile transcontinental car race that started on this day in 1908. One more funny fact from this adventure. The Americans were almost arrested in Paris by an overzealous gendarme who noticed the car did not have any lights. The gendarme pointed out that the law is the law, and it was the law that a car driving in Paris at night had to have a working headlight. A cyclist standing close by had a lamp on his bike. He handed it to the Americans to put on their car, and the gendarme stepped aside. Vive la France! Also on this day, a year later in 1909, American James Clark ran the Brooklyn Marathon in a then record of 2 hours, 46 minutes, 52 seconds. Now understand, this was prior to anything that remotely looks like a running shoe now. Sports shoes at that point were more like dress shoes with perhaps spikes attached to the bottom. There weren't even any rubber-soled shoes yet. So think about that running a 2.46 marathon in wingtips. That's all for today. More tomorrow on This Day in Sports History.